Before we get into today's episode of One Shining Podcast, want to shout out the Press Box Podcast. That's right. Brian Curtis, David Shoemaker talking about all the biggest stories in media and beyond. And uh, the show is always good. The show is always fun. I love the uh, the fact that these two guys can just, it just sounds like two old friends chopping it up. And uh, Brian Curtis is the best. He just came on through the ringer and talked about the Dallas Cowboys and Dak and that whole situation. And the fact that you know, sports radio kind of likes when their team loses. Who would have thought? Um, we live in a world of schadenfreude and uh, Brian Curtis is the perfect man to talk about it. Again, the show is the press box. Go check it out now. And uh, it's on the ringer as always. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we have ESPN's very own Drew Carter. Drew Carter has called plenty of games that you've heard. He does college football. Sometimes he'll do baseball. He's now calling the road games for the Boston Celtics. That's his new gig. But uh, he's a friend of the program officially. He's going to come on the show. We're going to talk about you know his roots in journalism coming from a big J school like Syracuse. We'll talk about Jimmy Bayheim a little bit and uh, what the future of Syracuse basketball looks like with Red Autry, plus the art of the play-by-play. Shout out to Brian Kerr. Curtis, um, he's someone that I think would appreciate this conversation about like the new era of play-by-play guys coming up. Shout out to all of them. I, I'm a play-by-play nerd. I love play-by-play announcers, and uh, I love the art of it all, even though it can sound a little stuffy when you say the art of it, but uh, it sounds better also when you say it's the art of the play-by-play call. So we'll leave it at that. We're also going to do some shout-outs. Um, there's some crazy, wacky, wonky, whatever you want to call it, stuff happening in college basketball, including the new rage, which is having eight players on a preseason uh, first first team All-American list. I don't understand it. It should only be five players, but the SEC continues to uh, put out this propaganda. We'll talk about that. Kyle, anything else before we get into today's episode? Still can't believe our friend Drew is younger than us, but first, Woody Durham. Welcome back to One Shining Podcast. I'm your host, Tate Frazier, and joining us this week, this is someone I've been trying to get on the podcast for a few weeks now. He's a big timer now. He's a big J. You know him maybe from the Toy Story broadcaster, calling Celtics games now. He's the great Drew Carter. Drew, thanks for being on the show, man. Thank you, Tate, and thanks for the kind intro. I'm sure there are people thinking, like, Booger McFarland is calling Celtics oh, games man. now? 
no, we're, we're talking about the other person on the Toy Story game. <laughs> um, it's funny you say that because, or about like trying to get me on the pod for weeks because I literally texted two of my best friends in the world, Tim and Tyler. We're in a group chat basically about how much we love this podcast dating oh, back man. to the teed up days, the Respect. OG podcast days. So it's it's really cool to be here. This has been an auto listen for me for years now. Well, you just won us over uh, and it happened quickly. And I was going to decide if we designate friend of the program. And I, I sure I was assured that it was going to happen. But you really got it from this jump. You know, first impression, friend of the program you're in. If you say teed up on the show, you win us over immediately. Um, and shout out to you. I mean, this has been a, a journey from what, like 2016 now to 2023. 2016 feels like 10 years ago. Not quite there, but yeah. pretty close. And uh Let's get into it because uh, I want to start with uh, just you being a big J because as you know, if you followed the program, we love big J's here. We love when they come in and they give us scoops and they give us the uh, the reasonable takes, right? We like to come with the fire takes. They come with the reasonable takes, but you went to Syracuse. That is the big J pipeline. So let's start there. Um, what was it like? What was your dream when you went to Syracuse and what was it like being in that journalism program and how is it to get out of it and now have all these Syracuse people love you? Because it seems like a great pool to be in. It's it's the Orange Mafia, baby. Right, and you guys you are be, everywhere. You, be, you better not mess with the Orange Mafia. Going going back to square one, you know, I was like any other kid. I wanted to play in the NBA. Expected to play in the NBA in, right. in sixth or seventh grade. Uh, seventh grade, I made the B one basketball team for my travel program at Wyzetta High School, and I'm like, oh baby, here we go. Like this is just the start. This will be the, the documentary about how I yeah. make the NBA. Young Got Simba. demoted to B two the following year, and at that <laughs> point, I was thinking, all right, this is probably not going to happen. Right. So it wasn't like in that moment I decided I wanted to be a journalist. And and what everyone says is, when I realized I couldn't play sports for a living, I decided to try to talk about them for a living. And that was basically the case for me, but it took me a while to realize that it was actually a, a job, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I took a journalism class in high school, fell in love with writing. I remember watching All the President's Men, that movie with Robert Redford and uh, Dustin Hoffman. Great movie. Yeah. Still one of my favorites to this day. And it's the reason <laughs> I drink black coffee, because I saw that movie and I'm like, oh, every journalist drinks black coffee and is ripping darts in the newsroom. And that's what right. I'm going to do <laughs> as an adult. <laughs> Um, so I'm doing one of those two. I'm not like Kyle. I'm not ripping darts in the office every day. Um, but I, I watched that movie and I did the journalism class and I I kind of fell in love with it. And so when I went to Syracuse, which it was a miracle that I got in because I, I wasn't a great student in high school, but thought my essay was OK. I had a good interview with someone from admissions. And there's this guy, Wes Whiteside, who's a big Vikings fan in the admissions mm. department. I think he helped me out. So I got into Newhouse. I went wanting to be a writer because um, and I'm not just saying this to like blow smoke, but Every day after school, I would go home and read Grantland. I'd literally type in grantland.com. And when bookmarks on Google Chrome became a thing, I would just click Grantland because it was my first bookmark. And I'd watch PTI and watch Around the Horn. And these dudes were all writers. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I wanted to do. But I, I went to a general interest meeting for the radio station, WAER, started to try play-by-play -play and, and just fell in love with it. Because to me, and going back to why we all get into this industry, which is because we love playing sports originally, to me, play-by-play -play is the closest way you can emulate playing in a game when you're covering it because um, it's live. There's some adrenaline. You know, you can really get into it and and let your energy shine through. Um, so I fell in love with play-by-play -play and, you know, I've been really lucky to get some cool opportunities. 
Yeah, when you have play-by-play, too, you basically, if you know the game, if you played the game, then you can translate the game. I think that's what Gus Johnson said to me once upon a time. He's like, I can translate that feeling through play-by-play because I've been there before, and you just mentioned it. You play it, you feel it, you live it, um, and then you can tell about it. And uh, the storytelling part of it is, uh, you know, there's different vehicles into it, right? When I, when I came out of school, I was kind of the same way. I was broadcast, um, but I thought I had to be a writer. So when I went to Grantland, I'm like, I'm editorial, I'm a writer, please respect me, Mallory Rubin, look what I wrote. Uh, you know what I mean? The, the, yeah. I tried to write like Rimber Brown, right? That, that was kind right. of the same kind of, uh, you know, age that I grew up in. And then being there, um, you know, you, you saw kind of all of those people transfer and translate into podcasting, which is, you know, you got Andy Greenwald, Chris, Chris Ryan, right? All these guys are great podcasters as well. Sean Finnessy, who once upon a time told me he would never do a podcast is now like a podcast really? superstar. So, um, yeah. the writing has changed and it is, tra- you know, transferred into a new vehicle. I think you getting to play by play is great. And, uh, you know, you're at Syracuse, you're there in school with Jim Beheim, And, uh, I want to talk about Jim Beheim a little there bit. First of all, did you go to Jim Beheim's press conferences, right? Did, were you there for some of these amazing moments? Because as we know, Jim Beheim never holds back. Um, and has had many, we can go through a few of them, but what did you have a memorable one that sticks out to you from being in school? Tate, I probably went to a hundred Jim Beheim press conferences Good. and maybe asked one question. Smart. I think I asked one question because <laughs> look, I have a lot of thoughts on Beheim, obviously. And one of them is if you're a 75 year old man and you've been doing the same job for 45 years, wouldn't you get tired of dumbass 20-year-olds asking you stupid questions over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like you have everyone at Syracuse and I love the school. Like this is not me hating on the program. <laughs> but you got 20-year-olds at every press conference and they all think they're Bob Costas. Oh yeah, they're all big J's, right? They're in class yeah. right now and they're trying to cut through. They're like, "I'm tired of the BS. Uh I'm coming in with the fire." And Jim yeah. Beheim fights fire with fire. Like th- this interview is <laughs> going to be on real sports. So let me ask right. the best possible question ever. And Beheim's like, F you. I, I know this way better than you. I've been doing this three times as long as you've been on this planet. So I actually cut him a little bit of slack when he goes after students. I get it. And I was always terrified to ask a question. In fact, I think I was so nervous. I never asked him one, but I did. At, my first job was in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm. And so a big part of that was covering the Crimson Tide. Right. And uh, my first question to Nick Saban I could literally see my heart pounding out of my shirt. Like I could, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. I was so nervous. And so at those press conferences, the mic, they passed the mic around. And um, I asked him a question and he didn't understand it. I gave him a total softball. It was, he had previously talked about Jimbo Fisher and his favorite memory of coaching on the same staff was when they played noontime basketball. Like it wasn't anything about football. It was when they were on the same basketball team and they were just dominating the other assistant coaches. So the the following week, they played Tennessee when Jeremy Pruitt was still the coach. And that feels like a long time ago. Right. But it was when Jeremy Pruitt was the coach. And I asked him, did you ever play noontime basketball with Jeremy Pruitt? And I was so nervous. I like kind of fumbled my way through the question. And Saban clearly didn't pick up on it. And he was looking over at the SID, Josh Maxson. He's like, who the hell is this guy? What what (laughs) is this guy? I'm like, oh, my God, it's all my worst fears realized, like <laughs> dating back to Syracuse. And thankfully, Josh, the SID, understood what I said and relayed the question. He actually laughed. So that was that was pretty cool. But, yeah, going back to Bayheim, I think um, one of my favorite moments that stands out is, you know, there's a one of the cardinal rules of a Jim Bayheim press conference is you don't ask a player if they're going to the NBA draft right after a game. Mm-hmm. And the prime example of this is Johnny Flynn 
And this was 2009 after the tournament. Someone asked Johnny Flynn, like, hey, I know you guys just lost, but have you put any thought into your decision for the draft? And you could kind of see Bayheim off in the corner. Like, he, he's starting to cook. Like, he's, he's putting some insults mm-hmm. in the crock pot at that moment. And he's, like, so ready to un- unleash them on this reporter. Because the way they do that in the NCAA tournament, for people who haven't covered it, is they start with the questions for the players, and then they let them leave and go shower, and then the, the coach take question, takes questions. So Bayheim's sitting on this for probably five, ten minutes, and then the last question of the press conference, he goes, anyone who would ask Johnny Flynn <laughs> that mm-hmm. is an idiot. Not right. a journalist. Is an absolute idiot. And then he stares the guy down as, as he's ending the press conference. So fast forward, I guess... Uh, 10 years probably, and, and Tyus Battle had just played his last game at Syracuse. We had lost to Baylor. It was my senior year. We'd lost to Baylor in the first round of the tournament in Salt Lake City. And a student journalist, one of my friends actually, asked Tyus, have you put any thought into your NBA decision? And my friends and I are sitting in the back row like, here we go. Like, mm-hmm. I'll get the TikTok camera ready. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. It's about, about to happen. To- yeah, something's about, about to happen right now. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Um, and so last, last question of the presser is it's in Bayheim session. Um, same guy asks the last question. So he was the bookender first and last. And he asked Bayheim about how his son buddy had played and buddy had played pretty badly that day. So like, if it wasn't bad enough already, he's asking about, Hey, your son played like shit, <laughs> your thoughts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and so Bayheim looks at him, he goes, Hey, where are you from? And the kid goes, uh, Syracuse, and he goes like, but "No, where are you from? Like, what what outlet?" He goes, <laughs> "Citrus TV, which was the TV of the uh, student TV station." And Bayham goes, "I should have known based on that first question." Gets up, stares daggers into his soul, walks away, like still staring him down. It, it, I mean, he looked like AI stepping over Teron Liu with how he left this press conference. And I, I just felt I felt bad for my friend in that moment. It was to the point where other reporters in the room were like, hey, man, he does that to everybody. Like, don't yeah, feel right. Bad. That, that's when like, you know that it's tough when, when the other reporters who are also on the beat yeah. who are just as pissed off at the world is are they're turning to you and they're trying to actually offer like some kind of advice. That means you just got cooked by Jim Beheim. That That they're is like, the ultimate. That is the bottom of the barrel. Offering their condolences when all that happened was he just kind of roasted you at a press conference. It was so funny. But he walked into it, man. Like, that's mm-hmm. the rule with Bayon. You don't ask that question. Yeah. And, uh, you know, his last year, um, 2023, you know, he said to a student, uh, I think it was a beat reporter. I don't think it was a TV reporter. But, you know, he said, I don't like your attitude. Um, and that was kind of yeah. how he wrapped it up. That was his last moment. And he said, it's typical, um, you know, and he basically that summed up the whole kind of experience with student reporters. Like it's been typical at Syracuse with the big J's that he's had to deal with this. And you mentioned the Johnny Flynn idiot comment. He my favorite Jim Beheim moment was 10 years ago, 2013, Andy Katz after a UConn game is, is a- asking a pretty innocuous question. Andy Katz, a very sweet man um, by yeah. all accounts and, and all my interactions with him, just the nicest guy, loves playing tennis, right? Not trying to do any harm, just trying to do his job, ask a question, get in and out. And Jim Beheim <laughs> decides to call him a disloyal idiot. And uh, I think that was the peak of his, uh, the Greensboro comment also, like with the ACC tournament, like how he never wanted to go to Greensboro. That was his own separate saga. His last game coaching is in Greensboro. There's some poetic justice to that whole experience experience with Jim Beheim, but all in all, he's an amazing character. And now he, he seemingly is going to be a coworker of yours. Is this correct? He's going to be at ESPN. I mean, what is that like? That, that is the orange mafia at work right there. This is a man who has hated the media, never wanted to be a part of the media. 
right. gave gave the big J's all the middle fingers and all the eye rolls ever imaginable. And now he's going to be on the ESPN desk, probably with you, which is going to be great. Tate, it's going to be so <laughs> electric. Like people yes. have no idea what's coming. If you thought the the one clip a month from the Bayheim press conferences you saw on Twitter was good, just brace yourself for two hours of straight up. I don't care. Right. I was better at this than you are. Mm-hmm. You're doing a bad job. This player's an idiot. Like he is. He he'll just <laughs> tell like it is because that's what he's always done. You know. Uh, and I I can't wait for it. Now the sad thing is. You know, because of this new job I have with with the Celtics, I don't know how much college basketball I'm going to get to do at oh, ESPN. No. We but, need but you this, back. This has made me really yearn to do some college hoops because working with the Heimer would be absolutely electric. I mean, Tate, I have a whole bookmark on my computer that's just called Jimmy B Gold, and it's my mm. favorite clips from his press conferences. And like some of them are pretty obscure like there was a a rant he had on this guy bud poliquin who's a a columnist in syracuse for a long time and he's talking about how you know it's not fair to just take a little segment and judge someone's (laughs) entire career on it and he goes how many articles you write in a year 150 150 200 and and my friends and i for some reason think like 150 200 is is the funniest thing ever there was one about how he goes i think this might have been the same rant actually because it was like seven minutes He goes, people say we got lucky going to the final four. Dayton won the Atlantic 10. We crushed them. (laughs) Uh, Middle Tennessee beat Michigan State and we crushed them. And people say we got lucky. It's stuff like that, that, you know, the the big viral moments everybody sees. But really, every press conference was filled with stuff like that. So these games are going to be must-listen TV. Yeah, Jerry McNamara, not 10 fucking games. We wouldn't <laughs> yeah. have won 10 fucking games without Jerry McNamara. I mean, what an epic moment. That's when I re- yeah. like I was like 13 years old watching that. And I was like, oh, my God, this is old Big East. This is Jim Beheim, you know, delivering the goods. And I think, honestly, on TV, like you said, he's going to unleash what he actually feels. And uh, this man hates questions. And what is the job? <laughs> The job is getting asked questions and he's going to get asked questions and he's going to keep getting poked and poked and prodded until the bear comes out. And uh, I can't wait for that. One last thing on Syracuse this year, this era, Red Autry, one of my favorites from North Carolina, great guy pulling for him, wanting to do well. He says we might not even run zone defense this year. We might not even have a set where we run zone defense. How different is Syracuse basketball going to feel without Jimmy B on the sidelines running that zone? You say that, I have to fan myself off. I'm so excited about a potential (laughs) new era of Syracuse basketball. I don't think, Tate, that the team is going to necessarily be like the best we've seen in 10 years. Um, I don't know. I I, Frankly, I hope it is because it's my school. But what I do know is I'm the most excited to watch a Syracuse basketball team as I have been in a long time, really since I went to school there. Um, Because you think like 10 years ago, this team was perennially winning 30 games. You know, Deion Waiters came off the bench. They were loaded with talent. And it just hasn't really been that way really since I was a student there. We we were kind of bubbling all four of my my years at Syracuse. But I'm most excited to watch this team just because it might look a lot different. You know, it's like you've been dating the same person for 46 years or whatever. And now there's a like a chance to have an affair and you're thinking this is kind yeah. of exciting <laughs> yeah you're on the golden bachelor you got you got a second chance and you're gonna figure it out and uh, i think red gets it i i mean i yeah. i like to i don't like to buy too much into something i've never seen before but 
He's been there. He understands. And I think that everyone needed a breath of fresh air at Syracuse. And uh, yeah. luckily, we get to celebrate Jim Beheim. Did you see this? Jim Beheim Day is going to be February 24th when they play Notre Dame. So it's going to be a, a awesome. prime J.J. Starling game, right, to play against <laughs> his does. old team. And then Jim Beheim's going to get honored. I hope they show some of these press conferences in the building. And ESPN's going to go full out. It's going to be his Coach K Day. Um, and it's going to be on February 24th. So we, we should all circle our calendars right now and pay homage. Maybe we all tweet out something nice about Jim Beheim. And by nice, it's probably something mean. He's the kind of guy that he appreciates the jabbing, I think, more so than the hugging, which is uh, that's what we respect about him. He's like in succession in that scene where <laughs> Logan Roy is trying to get people to say mean things about him. Like, come exactly. on, Please. roast me. Like, yes. why don't we play a game of sniff Greg's finger? Like, can't you just see Bayheim doing the same thing with his assistants and his family behind the scenes? A hundred percent. Bore on the floor has been played in the yes. Syracuse basketball office. It, they may not have called it bore on the floor, but a, a game similar has been, has definitely been played by Jim Beheim. So shout out to him. Um, I'm glad we, we got to talk about that. Now let's talk about the Boston Celtics. I think it's contractually obligated. My boss, Bill Simmons, of course, is Mr. <laughs> Boston Celtic. You're going to be calling play by play. You're, you're doing the road games this year, correct? Mm -hmm. um, so you, right. you, you've you already had some viral moments. You're all about Peyton Pritchard. Uh, you call it the Pritching Hour. I thought that was great. Um, how fun is it to be, you know, doing play by play for the Celtics? How surreal is this? And how old are you? Right. I mean, you're you graduated what year? 2019, 2018. Uh, yeah. you're, so you're like 25, 26. Yeah, Q's class of 2019, so I'm 26. I mean, I'm almost as young as you were when you started producing the number one broadcast <laughs> or the number one podcast in uh in in all of the world right. with the Podfather. Um, yeah, you know, it really is a dream job, Tate, and people throw that term around all the time. But you know, this has legitimately been the goal for me from the time I wanted to do it. Is I, I think the the best possible gig for someone who does what I do and play by play is to be the voice of a team and to have some national stuff on the side. Right. And to get the chance to do that is, is amazing. And I'm going to, I'm going to throw a straight at somebody here because it's just how it is. But like, it's one thing to be the voice of, I don't know, the Pacers or the Timberwolves um, and the Timberwolves that that was my childhood team. So like, I get it, but it's another to be the voice of this team. Mm -hmm. I mean, the most it's, it's almost like franchise. a it's like a college blue blood, right? But yes. it's on the NBA level, right? It's pretty much you got two options, which is the Lakers or the Celtics, and you got one of the two, right? And and in that analogy, you know, you could argue about whether the the Bulls are a blue blood or whether the Warriors are a blue blood, like <laughs> right. Villanova right. back in the day, it's, like yeah, Villanova and UConn of the NBA. Yeah. You guys argue that out, right? Right, but there's <laughs> there's no doubt that the Celtics. I mean, they're one of the most prestigious franchises in sports, and. I'll say it, they're they're the best franchise in the NBA. Sorry, Lakers. I mean, I truly believe that. But obviously, now that I work for the team, I have to say that. Mm -hmm. And I want to pander to your boss a little bit. Right. In, in right. Bill. Um, but it's it's so you have all those elements. And then you have the fact, Tate, that I actually think they're the best team in the league. Like they're they're the favorites or one of the favorites, depending on where you look to win the championship. It's a roster that makes a lot of sense. And the front office is all in. They're in the second apron, as if anyone knows what that actually means. But it basically <laughs> means that they're spending a, a shit ton of money to try to win championships. And, and Wick Grosbeck, they're one of their owners. He said, you know, we look at this as a, a six year window to win championships and it's time to hang banner 18. And I'm, I'm reading this like, let's go. Like, come on now. I can't wait <laughs> for this. And the first time I got to meet Wick, uh, Scal was there. He came up to the the table at Madison Square Garden, which is where I called my first NBA game. Are you awesome. shitting me? Like, yeah, that's right. Insane. That's Sitting great, man. Mike Breed and Wally Zerbiak. Like, this is completely surreal. But Wick came over to the table and Scal was like, dude, thank you for investing in the team and going all in like this. And, you know, obviously, 
no one's going to cry for an owner of an NBA team or a governor of an NBA team if, you know, they're spending a ton of money because there's a reason those guys are in those positions. They're super loaded. But you can't take that for granted because not everybody does it. You know, like there are five teams in the second apron right now, and there's no coincidence that four of them are legit contenders. And the exception is the Clippers because it's the Clippers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No matter how much money they spend, they're always going to be the Clippers. But to do it, to join this team this year is completely surreal. Um, And I'm just extremely, extremely grateful. Yeah, and I love Scal, and uh, Scalabrini is one of the best. He is uh, He's a funny guy by nature. You're going to have fun with him. Uh, I interviewed Scal once upon a time with BJ Armstrong, and when I walked in, he was like, who the fuck is this guy? And uh, I was like, that is the best way that I've ever been welcomed into a room in my life. Same thing happened to me. I go to media day to take photos, and this is before the team had even made any announcements. And right. This is the second time I've ever hung out with Scal. We did an audition together a couple months ago, and then then this was the second interaction. And I walk in expecting him to be like, let's go, man. Like, congrats on the job. Can't wait. <laughs> first thing he says to me is, you're rolling in fashionably late on your first day. We got to trade you for Noah Eagle. Mm. I'm like, brother, if you want to trade me for Noah, you're going to have to throw in some pick swaps and cash considerations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is lopsided. But that's some cash considerations started. right there. But uh, yeah, I like that. At least we're on the same level in Scow. Uh, I think it comes from a place of love, or at least that's what I told myself. And uh, so. you'll you'll be great, man. It, it'll be a fun year. And like you said, the Celtics will be in the mix. I uh, I don't really, you know, I have the Hornets, so I really don't have a team. I'm a nomad. I just like to go for the best matchup that I want to see. I really want to see Giannis versus Jokic. Um, and, and sue me if, if I'm wrong for feeling that way. Bill Simmons said nobody wants to watch that. I want to watch that. I, I do want to watch those two guys go up against each other, but it does feel like Boston. Um, I don't know what's going on, but Jason Tatum, it just feels like the expectation is they're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then they're either going to make it to the Finals or they're going to lose to Bucks, Heat, insert you know Eastern Conference yeah. team that's probably not going to be the 76ers. So you're going to be in for a hell, hell of a ride, and uh, I'm happy for you. I, uh, I saw that, and I was like, this is just this is great stuff, and it leads me back to where I think it all started, which is the Toy Story game. Let's talk about <laughs> that because uh that was ridiculous the Bajan Robinson catch was awesome um you had some fun calls in that game you had Booger by your side what how long was has that been planned and when did you know you were going to be able to call that game because that was insane so here's how that went down uh March of this past year so during the NHL season we did a a, an animated broadcast in the world of this Disney Channel show called Big City Greens and that to give you an idea of, of what goes into these broadcasts, I first heard about that in December of 2022, so four months before the actual game. That was when the planning started. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they they asked me to do that because they know I have no problem making myself look like an idiot on TV. <laughs> it's essentially what I do anytime. Anyway. That's, that's a, it's a power. That, that's a superpower, man. If, yeah. you, if you have that, you can do anything. That's a, that, That's a big thing to have, so I respect that. Yeah. So like, I'm not going to take myself seriously, but I will take the show seriously. Exactly. Um, And so that, that was in mid March and went really well. Like got some awesome feedback and you know, that was not to get too serious about this, but when you're doing the stuff we do Tate, it's kind of hard to tell the impact. Um, Like for example, my sister, who's my hero and a few years older than I am and way smarter than I am and has a much bigger heart than I do. But she ever since college has worked for nonprofits and basically has made it her life goal to use her skill to help people. Mm. And then I look at myself and I'm like, I talk about sports for a living. (laughs) Uh, My, my biggest career accomplishment was being animated into the universe of toy story. Like what's the real impact here? (laughs) 
But doing the it's big for the kids. That's what you want to tell yourself. It's for the kids. <laughs> it's for the kids. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not Michael Jordan. I'm not saying F them kids. It's actually for the kids. It's for the kids. And so <laughs> the big city greens thing. That was the first time you know I really felt a a legitimate impact. Um, because we got a lot of cool messages from people like, hey, my kid has never watched an, a hockey game before and they haven't missed a second of this. Like, hey, it, it's me. I'm, I'm, my kid is seven years old. I'm here in Nova Scotia and we're, we're dialed in on this Big City Greens cast. And that kind of started as a pie in the sky idea that ended up getting a lot of investment from the company and and became kind of a big deal for us. But at the same time, it's Toy Story and it's the NFL the next time. So you, you're kind of you're kind of blowing it up to a, a level we haven't seen before. So there was a decent amount of pressure on it. Like people were really invested in it, which was cool, mm-hmm. but also kind of nerve wracking. And so what I did is I watched all four Toy Story movies, basically rapid fire. I had seen them, but I, I had to rewatch them. I watched Toy Story 3 on a flight, which was a huge mistake because I'm sitting there crying like a baby at the end when right. he goes to college. <laughs> I'm sitting in the row. Everyone must think. And like, we're like the age where it's like it, you were a kid when the first one came out. And then when yeah. he goes to college, you're basically either past, right past college or right in college. Yeah, it's uh, that one hits. So uh, there's a reason why all of our parents are like bawling when they see that. <laughs> and we course. don't understand at the time. But now we kind of get it now that we're adults. And so. You know, I, ba- I, brought, I brought tissues on this flight and everyone's probably thinking like, does this guy have COVID? What's he doing? But no, <laughs> I, I just knew I was going to cry watching Toy Story 3. So that was part of the prep. And then obviously you got to prep it like a, a real typical game as well. So like I've got my notes on B. John Robinson and Drake London and Calvin Ridley and all that stuff. Um, and it, it really came, came together, I think, in a beautiful way. We did have some technical difficulties off the top and we were on camera or quote unquote on camera and in animated fashion for about three seconds at the start or three minutes at the start. And, you know, at that point, I'm like, this is going to be the biggest disaster in ESPN history. And Booger McFarland and I are going to be the faces of a, of a total train wreck. <laughs> Thankfully, we figured out the technology and then people seem to enjoy it. And the same thing happened where, you know, we got some messages on social media that were really cool and made it sort of feel worth it. And the funny thing about that, Tate, is we're, we're really small parts of that show. Like the parts that matter are animating the players in real time. And that technology is incredible. And, you know, the characters everybody loves from Toy Story. That was the part that everybody really loved. But it was cool that, you know, we were the faces and voices of it. Pepper Persley, Booger and myself, because we got to see all the messages and we got to see what it meant to people. Yeah, you guys were the masters of uh, a ridiculous ceremony of football meets Toy Story, which is something that I didn't know that I needed. It, it kind of started with the Nick game, which is funny. You mentioned Noah Eagle yeah. earlier when they did the Nickelodeon game with the slime. It was like, OK, and kids were having fun watching it. But then when you hear Toy Story, Toy Story has such a like uh, vaunted space in this world that we live in where everyone's like, this is so uh, you know essential to my life. The, you know, We're all Andy. My first name's Anderson. So when I was a kid, I could put yeah. Andy on the bottom of my Woody toy. You know what I mean? I got to play it both ways it was an amazing amazing thing and then the the football matching up with it it was great and it was the most viewed event on espn plus ever i saw so uh congratulations to you guys and like you said um it, it's something that's surreal i i don't think it's going to be the biggest check mark of your career like I, I don't think when we look back on drew carter's career we're going to be like that toy story game but who knows <laughs> maybe, maybe it's one like uh one catapult to the moon you know what i mean so uh it was awesome man i, I had fun watching it my nieces watched it uh they would not watch a, an nfl game otherwise even our producer on the Fandle TV show, Jack Wilson, he's like, my kid doesn't care about football. He really doesn't watch. You know, he's like four or five years old. He's like, he's locked in on the Toy Story yeah. broadcast. You know what I mean? So uh, that was cool to see. I love that, uh, which leads me to my next question, which is about the art of the call. 
doing play by play today, it feels like a, a game that is, um, you know, either you're 60 or above and you're doing it or you're you're in your class, which is like a very young, brand new class. So how much are you learning and how much of it is it like geeking into it? Because it does feel like you have to have this kind of um you have to know everyone and, and know how like the chain of command goes of how to, it's very similar to basketball when you get in the NBA, you have to make sure you know Bill Russell and everything that came before you. So how is it managing that and how is it kind of getting into that space and growing in that space? Yeah, you got to respect your elders for sure. Um, and Oh, if you I, don't, I could, you got problems. You got Jim Beheim level problems. <laughs> right, right. I could probably talk about this for an hour, Tate, because uh, I am. I, I like that you use the word geeking out about it because that's what I do. I mean, yeah, right. And that's that's what we did at Syracuse. Like it, it was to the point where we we became self-aware, like we became sentient creatures that every time we watch a game, we end up just talking about the announcers. Mm -hmm. So we, we tried not not to do that quite as much. Um, but I, I think about the craft all the time. Um, and, and I think it can sort of be an art form, which, you know, sounds like I'm a hardo and I, I definitely am self-admitted, but the announcer can really enhance your experience watching a game or, and certainly if you're listening to it on the radio, you know, you hear people talk about back in the day, they'd listen to games on the radio. It's a reason Vince Scully is so beloved mm -hmm. and, you know, people on the radio, Johnny most from the Celtics, you know, you, you get that intimate relationship on the radio and on TV, it's a little bit different, but you can still, th then the role is instead of painting the word picture, it's to add captions to the photos that people are already seeing right. that, you know, educate, entertain. Hopefully we can accomplish both those things every time we go on the air. And I do think the job has changed a lot really in the last 10 years uh, because of social media. Think about Worldwide WAP. Like he's he's putting out clips of, you know, 20 different clips of NBA games every night. And I don't know. I still don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but it's definitely the reality when I'm calling a game, I sort of think about the highlight that you're going to see on Twitter or TikTok or Instagram, which you probably makes my new house professors want to vomit because they're <laughs> like, you need to focus on the big picture and telling the story. But I well, also you look think back you, at them and say, I don't like your attitude and uh, <laughs> give them to Jim Beheim. That's typical. <laughs> yeah, it's typical. typical. <laughs> uh, but I think it's just the nature of it. You know, you get you got to know that, hey, a lot of people are are not watching this game live and they're going to end up seeing this clip afterward. Um, mm -hmm. and I think about that for college sports too. Like the guy scores his first career touchdown. He wants to save that clip probably forever. Um, and, and a good example of this is if there's a flag on the play, what I try to do is call it like it's a touchdown, put a cap on it and then give it a second to breathe. And then, Hey, by the way, there's a flag on the play. We're going to check this and see if it stands. Whereas I think before social media, you wouldn't really be worried about doing that. Like you could actually say that during the play and you know, everything's different, like a punt return where the flag's been down for five seconds. You probably want to flag it. No pun intended, but you know, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, yeah, changes, right. it sort of changes the, the calculus of it. Um, and, I, and I think about that a lot. Like, I'll be honest, dude, the, the preaching hour and preseason P I was like, I did that for social media. Cause I was mm -hmm. hoping that, that people would see that and enjoy it. And then maybe give the full broadcast a chance. You know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. I think a lot of the time the announcer, first of all, the announcer doesn't matter nearly as much as we think we do. Like people are probably going to like the announcer of the team when the team is doing well. That's just kind of how it is. But I do think if you can enhance the, en enhance the experience and, you know, make some jokes, make people feel comfortable, then you can do, you, you can really make an impact, which going back to that is, is why I really try to do this. And 
And so another reason why I'm feeling some pressure with this Celtics thing is because I know how much this team means to people. And the last thing I want to do is make them feel like I'm diminishing their experience at all. Um, and so that's why I'm going to work my ass off and, and try to become as good at the craft as possible and also try to learn the team as, as well as I possibly can because these fans deserve a really good show. Yeah, and you're you're giving the right answers. So if they hear that, if if Bill Simmons is listening, then he's fired up right now because he's like, this guy gets it. That, that That's really what it is, right? We have to, as fans and as people that watch the game, you just want to make sure that whoever's calling get one is informed, like you said, and willing to entertain and take that leeway that is earned and then run with it. So y- you got it. You got the runway. You'll get there. And uh, I'm excited to listen, man. It's going to be good. And, uh, you know, you got some great people that, that are still out there doing it. I remember the Kevin Harlan moment, right, from the Furman game where we get the he was really mad about the video coming out. But right. being able to kind of just like sit in that moment and letting the the audience at home feel what just happened, right? We just saw Furman, a 13 seed upset Virginia with Tony Bennett, right? This is a, an ACC powerhouse going up against a small school in South Carolina, and they just made a miracle happen. Let's let's sit in that miracle, and uh, you know, seeing Kevin Harlan, you know, be the maestro of that moment. That those are yeah. the cool times where you, we talked about geeking out. You see something like that, and you're like. That that's what makes a great, you know, the, the gravitas of a moment goes to a different level when you have someone that can orchestrate in that fashion. And uh, you, you'll be there and you got it. And uh, I'm excited for that. One last thing before I let you get out of here, Drew. I want to ask uh, the AP Top 25 just dropped outside of Syracuse who got snubbed. Um, is there any team that you that you have on your mind that you're like, I'm excited to watch in college basketball. I I, I want to see what they can do this year. It can even be someone like Duke. I'll even let that slide. But is there any <laughs> team that you're excited to watch? You're not going to cut the Zoom if I say Duke is the team well, I'm most I'm, excited for. I might for. throw up right here in my trash can, but then I'll come back. Dude, you have them at number one, don't you? Yeah, well, that's because I, I, I want to see if they can handle the pressure. That's what happened last year to Carolina. They they got the number one pressure and they faltered. Let's put let's put it back. Let's put the uh, the stone back on their back and see what happens. Well. You mentioned Syracuse getting snubbed. Not only are they not in the top 25, I think they're not in the top 100 in Ken Palm's preseason. Come on, Ken Palm. <laughs> like, he does not like red system. I, I don't know what it is. Here's another Bayheimism. He's making a lot of money, that Ken Palm. But mm-hmm. nobody really knows what goes into that. If like no one here knows whose fault it is in the zone defensively if somebody scores on us. But we'll see if, if Ken Palm is, is actually right on that. The team I'm most excited to see is FAU. Right. You, you, you said your Tar Heels. The, to me, the Owls, like, how funny is it that we're comparing Carolina from last year to Florida Atlantic from this year? But it is pretty similar. It's like, can you take that that Final Four appearance, appearance bump after you weren't very good in the regular season and translate that to the next year? Um, I, I kind of think they can. They can, frankly, Tate. Like, they got screwed with their seed anyway. Like, they probably should have been a five seed or something around there. They won thirty-one games in the regular season. And then with what they did in the tournament, I know it was a close game against Memphis in the first round, but with what they did, I think they've earned that top 10 ranking. And so to me, I'm excited to see them. And I love Dusty May. I think it's cool that he's still there and bring some guys back. I think FAU is going to be really good. So that's the team I'm most excited for. Yeah, it would be great if Dusty May just does exactly what Brad Stevens did about a decade ago and goes back to back national championship games. And then everyone is we need some coach to capture the zeitgeist again, where everyone believes in American basketball and college basketball coaches and their ability to coach. And, you know, Brad Stevens left us and decided to be a front office guy. We don't know why. We're still trying to get answers on that. I'll figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, you have to ask the questions. You're like, Brad, don't you love the game? What happened? What happened to (laughs) your love for the game? Uh, He likes the business side more. But uh, 
I, I feel like Dusty May could actually capture the magic again, and he captured all of us. And to be honest with you, he has the perfect foil. And not to say that you know Penny's the bad guy, but Penny's okay to be the bad guy in this situation. Maybe the BAG guy, um, but but Penny versus Dusty May in that conference is going to be electric. You don't have to worry about Houston anymore. It used to be like these two guys are fighting for number two. Now they're fighting right. for number one, and they're both going to be. I think Memphis will be in the top twenty-five very soon. Um, so you're going to have two top twenty-five teams in that conference. I think that's going to be a fun year, fun pick, fun team. Shout out to Boca Raton. Um, they, they got a fun atmosphere as well, so we'd love to see that. Uh, Drew, where can we find all your work for anyone that doesn't know? Um, obviously, uh, all the Celtics fans that are listening know where to find you, but where else can we see your work? Well, let me just say what you just said, Tate, reminded me of, of Larry Bird, who's coming in second. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's what it was like when Houston was in the American. So you see, I, I got my, my Celtics I like history. It. That you got it figured I'm, out. Yeah, you're good. I'm trying you're to good. study up on when, when Bill Simmons says, are we sure this guy's good? Like, I want people to know that I'm I'm at least trying to get yes. my, my Celtics history down pat. Um, I love that. But make sure you tune in this Saturday, 4 o'clock Eastern time. It's a big one in the MAC. It is mm. Toledo visiting Miami of Ohio. Uh, both teams are 6-1. and one. The last two unbeatens remaining in the MAC. They play in opposite divisions, so it could be a preview of the championship game. Miami's quarterback is Brett Gabbert who is Blaine's mm. younger brother. Their first game this year was at Miami of Florida. So it was the Confusion Bowl, Miami versus Miami. And Brett Gabbert made national headlines, which we covered on ACC Network, when he said, I'm excited to show everyone who the real Miami is. And they proceeded <laughs> to lose 38-3. to <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, but you got to respect a guy who just puts it out there. And he, he, could, <laughs> he wanted the smoke, and they got the smoke. But they haven't lost since then. Toledo's really good. They won the league last year. So ESPNU, 4 Eastern on Saturday, and then check out the Celtics throughout the year. Queue up your league pass and watch NBC Sports Boston. Yeah, shout out to Maction. Maction's always great, and uh, like you said, that Miami game at the start of the year, I had a lot of faith in the Miami Hurricanes. You're, should we shout out ACC Network before you leave here? Because yes. that is where that's where you that's where you really made it happen. You know, that's when I first saw you. I saw you on ACC Network, and I'm like, this guy gets it. Um, and and you've been shooting to the moon since then. Shout out to our guy Brian Ives for for yes. being there and producing. But the ACC Network does not get enough respect. Uh, you hear about the Big Ten, you hear about the Pac-12, even though it's the opposite of the Big Ten. It's the, right. the debacle of the Pac-12, but nobody's given love to the ACC Network, and uh, on this show, we will. Shout out to you, Drew Carter. Appreciate you coming on the show. You're welcome back anytime, and good luck this season. We'll be watching, and we'll definitely have you back. Thanks, fellas. Kyle, I just realized my mic wasn't plugged in this whole time, so let's uh, <laughs> let's go back to the start. We'll run it back. Thanks, guys. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> we'll run it back. I'll talk to you, man. Appreciate you. Thanks, Tate. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, 
view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. There you have it, Drew Carter. Uh, shout out to him, a, a real friend of the program, Kyle. We get a lot of people that tell us that, you know what I mean? And then we always had the litmus test of, do they know what teed up is? Do, do they have that in their back pocket? He came out guns a-blazing bringing up teed up. So shout out to Drew Carter. He's a real one. We don't we we, we got to find him out in the streets these days, and we, we got one on the show, Kyle. How, and he sounds like he's a fan of yours as well, which we love to see that. You know, he's one of those guys when you find out they're like not older than you. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing, man? Not because I think I should be like better. It's just like the, he just seems like like that guy seems right. like he's like 33 or something. But uh, he said he graduated 2019. It's like, oh, mm. come on, man. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that guy, that guy's awesome. Handsome cat doing well for himself. Young guy. Yeah, we love to see it. And uh, honestly, it really hit me in, in the chest right there because I used to be the young guy, Kyle. I, right, used, to be I, the, <laughs> I used to be the young 22-year-old with with a bright future ahead. Now I'm 30. I'm in the present and uh, I, I see the future happening behind me. And uh, I, I love Drew. Um, thank God he's on our side. That's all we can say because the, 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 <laughs> the time is passed, Kyle. We're, we're, we're venturing into a new decade. And uh, shout out to him again for coming to the show. Let's do some shout outs. Um, because we already started with the ACC network. That was fun. Now let's do the SEC preseason because their preseason All-American first team is not five players yet again. How do they keep getting away with this? I will keep screaming to uh, whoever's listening out there that this is ridiculous. You can only have five players, five players starting a game. You cannot have eight first team preseason All-Americans. I know you have a lot of talent in your league. We respect that, but you can't keep getting away with this. The SEC does it again, Kyle, and uh, no one's feelings are hurt, and I feel like that's not fair. We need five guys, and we need someone with... How are we going to have guys with chips on their shoulder when everybody makes the first team? Riddle uh, me that. Riddle me that. Participation trophies. I don't like it. about it for years. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. So SEC, I thought you were better than this. You can be better than this. Be better than this. Uh, Angel Reese, shout out to her. She signed uh, the first big endorsement deal for Reebok basketball. Shaq says she's the GOAT, and uh, Shaq is fired up to have her on the team. Did you see this, Kyle? Was, was this on the spun? Did you see Angel Reese got this signed was on, no, This was actually on footwearnews.com, not the spun. Nice. Um, cause it's not about her boyfriend or anything. So that's really what the spun is reserved for, but this is great. <laughs> Reebok's making a run. I think we're on the right side of history talking to Reebok last week. Uh, this is great. Yeah. Uh, AI is the vice president. I don't think I ever mentioned that. Maybe I did. Shaq is the president. Angel Reese is the first uh, player that they signed. There was also some people that thought that Angel Reese being called the GOAT was taking shots at Caitlin Clark. Angel Reese says she loves Caitlin Clark. The beef is dead. Stop trying to make the beef happen. This is not Biggie and Tupac. These these guys actually like each other. The so coolest way that this beef could continue is if like, you know, if uh, like Allstate goes after... Uh, because, you know, state, she's State, state Farm. Kate, yeah, Caitlin right. State Farm, if Allstate goes after Reese and then like the next person, mm. like the fast food space, and then it's like now it's like Wendy's is, is Angel Reese and, and uh, McDonald's is Caitlin Clark. Like, that'd be cool. Just like watch the money pile up between these two two brands. That's cool. Uh, 
I like that. Then Geico gets UConn's women's basketball. It's like Gino and Paige Beckers and AZ Fudd. And, and every single insurance company has a different, you know, women's basketball <laughs> right. team. And then the money's just getting spread around. That's cool. Right. And then they're making more money than everybody playing men's basketball. And then we're like, wait, what's happening here? And then we and, see them all uh, at the Wooden Awards. We're like, so how much you guys make? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And then we become friends with them. And uh, the rest is history. We start yeah. a women's college basketball podcast. It'll be great. The Spun will be so happy about that. Uh, but again, shout out to Angel Reese. Uh, also, shout out to the Big 12. The Big 12 is putting out propaganda at their media days. They're basically saying, while the world is buying into football and saying college basketball is a bygone era, the Big 12 says nay. They say college basketball is alive. They say we have the viewers and we have the money. We have the bag. Um, Brett Yormack, or Yarm, Yormark, whatever his name is, uh, the commissioner <laughs> uh, of the Big 12 is coming out and saying that college basketball is, uh, is a priority. And uh, the Big 12 they they were they were quote unquote cool. They bring in the Rock Nation team to come and try to you know make the Big Twelve revamped and and have a new spin. And honestly, they've had great PR, and I like that their PR and their push right now is uh, a zag because we need somebody to zag. And in fact, they're zagging so hard, Kyle, that they're they're trying to bring Gonzaga into the league. So uh, college basketball. Big 12 handshake. We love to see that. Speaking of good news, Dickie V is yes. set to return for the 23-24 season. That is correct. He is going to be calling a Miami game, and uh, he has not talked since June. Um, but, you know, the cancer-free right now. It's all good reports. And as long as Dickie V keeps coming back, we're going to keep coming back and bringing the fire because he is the one that lights the fire of college basketball. He leads us. He's our Prometheus. He is the one that said, this is how you talk about the game. This is how you love the game. And Dickie V is back. And uh, I know you're fired up about that, Kyle. You're going to be excited. We're going to watch that game together. So Dickie V, October. It's Great headline. Right. Right. Great headline. Because I saw the I saw the the subheading and I had to like check like four different uh, articles. It's the hardest I've ever researched anything for this podcast mm. because it said like amid his battle with cancer. And I was like, wait a second, is he not actually cancer free? But it turns out like the like he's got doctors that have said there's no visible signs of it. So I think you can say cancer free. I, I was getting a little worried with the headlines and the bylines. So um but uh, you, I got I got to put my capital J hat on and, and got to the bottom of that. Cancer-free Dickie V. Cancer-free Dickie V. Uh, you know, just shout out everybody that's involved, all the doctors, everyone that's making it happen. And Dickie V, uh, shout out to you for texting my dad back all the time. You know, my, he, this man's going through the fight of his life and he still responded being like, I like the Tar Heels this year. I, I, like, I like the pieces they added. Number 19 might be too low for this team. You know what I mean? This is what Dickie V does. He's just Do you the think man your dad maybe texts him too much and he's being a nice guy or do you think they've kind of figured out a nice dance i think they figured out a nice dance because my dad only texts him like start of the season maybe start of the tournament maybe randomly when he sees like a cancer update that's good you know what i mean or maybe even a bad one my dad would be like the family's thinking of you thoughts yeah. and prayers you know what i mean from the fraser so family when one would expect to maybe get a bunch of texts when he gets it he's not just like it's not like thursday night and he's like hey no, just no, thinking no. about this kid uh <laughs> no no my, right, my, my dad is uh i, I told him that the, i mean he knows but there, there's a line you know what i mean and the, and the line is simple when it's when it's allowed you know what i mean it's when dickie v has his phone there and he's got 239 text messages and he's just copying and pasting and yeah. just like adding changing lot, names out yeah <laughs> changing out names changing out kids names you know what i mean doing the game so dickie v old school we love him and uh, you mentioned headlines kyle 
One of my favorite headlines. This came out about five days ago. We, we uh, did not talk about it with Kyle Mann, but ESPN put out a recent article, and this was the headline. The FBI, IARP, and corruption in college basketball, comma, explained. Um, and boy, was it fun reading that article. Uh, shout out to the... It was basically an aggregation of the timeline of college basketball <laughs> right. and the FBI scandal and how do we get here. And the summation of it all is actually funnier than anything you could have imagined based on the start, right? The, the start of it was, we know your playbook. Um, turns out they don't know the playbook at all. And the playbook was thrown out at about halfway through the FBI investigation. In fact, it was thrown out so far that they started investigating themselves and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> Kansas gets off um, and ESPN still trying to to tell the story. They don't even know how to tell the story. And uh, the explanation didn't really even explain anything. And uh, I saw Book Richardson this week. I saw his Twitter page. Um, shout out to Fran Fraschilla, who was with him. And uh, I checked out his Twitter page. And Book Richardson, I mean, this guy had to deal with real, you know, legal implications for these things that happen. And this man is still tweeting about college basketball and the power of assistant coaches and I just want to shout out the fall guys because because this whole thing and the expl explainer and the explanation, the whole thing is ridiculous. But um, the, the fall guys are still wrong. They've never they've never gotten their due. And hopefully we can make a documentary about it someday. We'll, we'll see what we can do about that. But that headline and that explanation and everything that's going on at ESPN. Wow. What's going on? I don't know. Um, let's keep it rolling. Cooper flag scuttlebutt for you, Kyle. Um I don't want to I don't want to jinx it, but Frank Isola, who obviously is a New York reporter, he went on a, a couple shows, Kyle, and he said that he's here and UConn is going to get Cooper Flag. And I, uh, well, that's not I don't know if heard it, at all. <laughs> I don't know if this is uh, well, again, I don't know. The scoopers are tough. The insiders and the scoopers. There's a war there. Um, information is not abundant and they're fighting for scraps. But from what he's hearing, Cooper Flag to UConn is a real possibility. Obviously, Cooper Flag canceled his visit to Kansas. So it really is down to two schools. He has his official visit to Duke. All signs are pointing towards Duke. If you look at the slam account, they're like, how good would Cooper Flag look in Duke blue? You know, question mark, eyes emoji, you know, comment below. Um, so it does seem like all all signs are pointing towards Duke. But Frank Isola and the uh, the New York, New England media, they're trying to push the idea that he could go to UConn and people forget. I mean, what happens if Donovan Glingen, let's just say Donovan Klingon doesn't have a first team All-American type season because of the foot injury. And he says he wants to come back for one more year. And then you bring in Cooper Flag, and then their moms played together and now they're playing together. I don't know. That sounds like a pretty good storyline to me. And UConn's the defending national champions, and he's from the Northeast, and he probably feels more comfortable in New England, even though Durham, well, Duke in Durham tries to act like they're in New Jersey. I don't know. It's all very confusing. But um, I, I think Cooper Flag, the UConn, is not dead yet. I'll say that. And uh, it sounds like some people are trying to float the idea that it's more alive than ever. I'll leave it at that. Um, let's keep it rolling. St. John's plays Rutgers on Saturday, the 21st. This is a exhibition game, but it will be um, open to the public. I think it is for charity. So uh, Rick Pitino, he said that they are, quote, New York's team. So take that, Syracuse. You are no longer New York's team. Um, I kind of think Marist is New York's team. Shout out yes. to Poughkeepsie. Yes. Um, but but we'll leave we'll have that conversation another day, Kyle. Maybe we put a poll out which is New York's team, St. John's, Syracuse, or Marist. We'll let the people decide. I personally, I'm Team Marist. Shout out to my guy Derek Foxes. Phelps. Yeah, the Red Foxes, uh, a, a team that I have respect for at all times. Uh, another guy that I have respect for, Boogie Fland. 
he announced, I said that he said his decision would be a week or within a month. And now we have a decision timeline. It is going to be two Eastern Friday. Boogie Flan will decide. Um, Joe Tipton scooped it, put it out there. And Crystal Balls, who is um, usually correct. She's a great reporter. Crystal Balls says that it will be Indiana. So Indiana for Boogie Flan with Liam McNeely. That's a really dangerous class. Did you say Crystal Balls? Yes, crystal balls. Is that like uh, a pun for? Uh, uh, no, no. They have the cr- crystal balls. Does her prediction for every one of these teams? And uh, but that's not like her fun punny uh, Twitter account. No, they go to two four seven. It's no. I, well, it's the crystal ball prediction predictions. You know what I mean? That they make. You know, they look right. at the crystal ball. Yeah. But I, I have, I have condensed that identity down to a a reporter, <laughs> and her name is Crystal Balls, and okay. Crystal Balls. Is ninety percent right. She's usually correct, and uh, this time around, balls is saying Indiana, and she knows balls. And uh, Indiana <laughs> will get Boogie Flan. That's my prediction. Um, one last shout out, Kyan Anthony, son of Carmelo Anthony. He went on his visit to Florida State. We talked about that. He's working out with USA Basketball right now. Carmelo Anthony, I consider one of, if not the greatest USA Basketball player of all time when it comes to Team USA accolades. Three-time Olympian, gold medalist, Carmelo Anthony puts. Respect on his name, but his son Kyan Anthony is apparently hooping Kyle. And uh, reports out of Colorado Springs is that this kid is the real deal. So, um, you know, the Bronny James hype, we understood that, but I think Kyan Anthony is not getting enough hype for how good he actually is. So, uh, Team USA says Kyan Anthony buy stock now. I buy stock, and uh, I'm excited to talk about him in the future. And hopefully, he goes in place for Florida State. That'd be great. And uh, I know you got family at Florida State, Kyle. So we we'd be pulling for him at Florida State. Yeah, I'm Florida State, State right? football. So uh, right, yeah, it's not. It'd a be easy to do basketball as well. You love Leonard Hamilton. We both I do. Love, I do. Love but Leonard I Hamilton. Have to, I have so. to roll with St. John's this year for sure. All right, yeah, we're St. John's guys this year, but shout out to uh, Kai and Anthony for looking good. Also, shout out, I saw, uh, you know, the, the um, not the bubble boys, the analytics guys are all going around and they're doing like the preseason tour, Kyle, and uh, you know what I mean? They're, they're basically saying, we're not know-it-alls. We, we just have our numbers. We have our algorithms, and we don't think that we know everything. So I, I wanted to say I was calling them out for being Kias on the last <laughs> show, and uh, maybe they heard it. I, I'm just saying I appreciate when people are humble. I'm glad that they're going out and admitting that these are their projections. These are their numbers. They're not the reality. Um Kim Palm has not done this, but uh, I've seen other guys do this. Um, but so shout out, shout out to them for uh, for for at least acknowledging the eye test. I'm an eye test guy, which means I say this. Uh, it is capital I. It is not E Y E. I say this. This is eye test, um, and uh, you know, and the eye test itself with what you see on the court. We could argue about that for days, uh, but that that's something that I like to see. I like to see the humility. Kyle, do you have any shout outs before we get out of here? That was it. You took all of mine once again. And oh my gosh, uh, I think that's that's all right because uh, there was a lot of shout outs there and it wasn't, you know, we weren't five minutes in like, oh, well, there's been a new Instagram post from one of uh, from Angel <laughs> Reese. So that's, that's cool. No, there's a lot of preview stuff that, you know, it's it's hard to sift through a lot, but uh, there's a lot going on. So uh, that's cool. I think shout out to Angel Reese, shout out to Nikki V, Jim Beheim back in the spotlight. Shout out to, yeah, Jim Behan being back. Shout out to Virginia, by the way. Virginia fans are at my neck, Kyle. I put out, uh, you know, my my preseason top 25, OSP preseason top 25. It's not just mine. I take in votes of others, but uh, a lot of people are pointing the finger at me. Um, Virginia was on my top 25. They were on mine. Um, I will not release my personal one, but they were on mine. But Virginia fans, if anything, this should motivate you guys uh, to run it back, to get back to the top of the ACC. Sometimes you got to earn that respect. I think Reese Beekman 
and could be the ACC player of the year. There I said it. So Virginia fans that are up in arms about the OSP top 25. First off, it's a top 30. I did not show you the bottom five teams. Therefore, you have the imagination to believe your team could be in the bottom in the five. Bubble, yeah. Yes, that's what you that is what you you can use your imagination. That's the whole point of the poll. You can always think we're we're team 26. We're right there. Like for me, Mizzou was team 26. Um, Auburn was team 26. There was a lot of team 26s I had that were right there on the precipice. Memphis, team 26. Um, we're getting close to 30, Kyle. So we got to get out of here. Um, shout out to everybody for listening. We got Kyle Mann back on Monday, a manic Monday. We're going to have fun with that. We're getting closer and closer to the season. John Rothstein, we're, we're, I think we're down to t- the teens. I think we have 19 days until college basketball. So it's right, right here. It's present. Um, I'm going to the frolic room with you, right? This afternoon. Is that happening? Uh, we have Saruti here, Steve Saruti, uh, you know, pr- producer extraordinaire for the ringer and for Ryan Rosillo's podcast. Are we all meeting up? It's kind of a gloomy day, but I'm down to go to the frolic room. It kind of is. He's um, I don't know if he's not necessarily giving me the runaround. I'm not saying he's ducking mm. me, but he's just like, oh, oh, we'll see. I know it's kind of a, sh- a I know it's a light day, but he wants to show face. You know, he's he's staying on the company's dime. He flew uh. on the company's dime, but I think we'll see. I was like, hey, man, you'll see the office isn't going to be that crazy today. So uh, you'll see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so just, I'll see. Just, I'll, I'll see what he says in a couple of hours. And just be like, hey, still really busy over there or what? <laughs> so. I, think I don't like, like the yeah, sound sure. of that. I do not like the sound of that. And Saruti's a he's a straight and narrow guy. He's not gonna he's not gonna do anything wrong that uh, he thinks is gonna step on anyone's toes, especially when it comes to the company, because he's a company man, and I respect that. So I don't know that that did not give me much optimism. But I do I do hope that I see everybody. If not, um, I have a few Halloween ideas, costume ideas for you. I've been yeah, marinating. you need to run those by me. I don't want to yeah, do right. that one. Well, I got one of them for you. What if you just dressed up like a Mormon and were BYU? That's an easy one. What is a Mormon? I mean, I think of our don't Mormons. They a, uh, don't they have a costume? Doesn't everyone have a costume or like something that you wear? Don't they have like a robe? Are Mormons or? the guy who's who's like uh, the the black tie and they they knock that's, on your door, or is that someone else? I think that's Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do they have a college? I don't know. Well, I was trying to think about. It. I was <laughs> we'll trying take to a make, look. I'll Google. Or or I was saying you could be a nun um, and be Sister Jean. Um, that could be an easy one, but you don't, don't want to be. I want but, to do that. Yeah, but that's but that is that is that's <laughs> like the old. Put, I don't think I want to. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like the old like Hollywood Illuminati. Like that you got to dress up. Chris like Farley. A woman. Yeah, yeah, right. I yeah, I, I got to go I, for I, a table or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want. Never mind. Never mind. So never. So those were my two ideas. Mull it over though. Keep yeah, I'm gonna mull it over. I'm gonna keep thinking about it. If you have any ideas for Kyle for our college theme uh, Halloween party that we're going to, I have mine locked up. I'm keeping it under wraps because I don't want anyone to take it from me. Um, and it's super easy. That's the that's the uh, the idea. And the ideal situation, right? That you can just wear something innocuous, easy, simple. Easy. I don't works. want any paint on my face. Never like that. Right. Uh, right. I don't want too many pieces. I don't want too many items. Like, I like you brought me to a thing. I forgot. I think I was Indiana Jones. I brought a whip. I think we were at a right. party once, and I was like, I'm dropping this whip in this field. I don't. I don't want to hold it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So. Plus, like a a whip is just not like that. That's like I, I'm like pulling back. You know what I mean? Like if I see a person with a whip, even if it is Halloween, you're just like, I, I don't like it. It's like I, a guy who like incorporates it. a knife. It's like, why? Yeah. Yeah. It's like too much. <laughs> too much. Like you want to just man. like put on a shirt and a jacket and everyone's yeah. like, oh, yeah, you're that guy. We got it. You're I think li- I got it without the sword on your back, dude. <laughs> I, I have a Luke Skywalker uh, like jacket, but that's not college. Um, so not, never mind. I'm going to keep mulling it over. Uh, and thinking about things that you could be for Halloween. Shout out to everybody for listening. This is One Shining Podcast, and we will see you on Monday with Kyle Mann.